Dude, guys, we're on the Lazy Philosophers podcast, and this time I got with us. The wait, wait, I made a podcast episode about how we missed out on this moment, but this is the thing. Yes, life brings you other moments. You know what I'm saying? This is right. this is some deep shit, man. This is like Levar Ball getting Donald Trump to get Leangelo back <laughs> from China. <laughs> this shit rarely happens. You know what you're trying to yeah, say? yeah, this this happens, man. And so. <laughs> Um. Anyway, this is Brendan Game, man. Let's say, what's up, Brendan? Hey, this is Brendan. I don't know if you guys remember me from the first ep- one of the first episodes, Commitment, and I'm back. So he's back, man. And but he he. So we recorded this other episode. What? Je- December. Was it December? I'm trying to think. When did you leave on your tour? Because it was like so. Two days. I left. I left January first. Yeah. So we. It was like it was like December twenty seventh or twenty eighth. Because no, it had to be like it was like it was a few days right before. I know that much. Oh, was it? Yeah, maybe it was that weekend before. My yeah, last show was the twenty seventh or twenty eighth. I remember at the comedy bar. Yeah, man. So maybe it was like the twenty sixth. Go check that one out. It's one of our most listened to episodes. It's one of the most liked episodes. So it wasn't. Ooh. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. Heck yeah. Back in the back in the we po- back we back <laughs> back in the podcast <laughs> glory days. Uh, <laughs> but um, guys, yeah. So um, Brendan has been on a fifty two week tour. You're on week what? 47. 40 How nuts is that? 47 weeks of not sleeping in his own bed. Yep. Okay, like, I mean, tell, it's, number one, so tell him about the tour. Where, where did it come about in your mind? Yep, okay, so I was a Chicago comic, and I was there for a year, and one of my goals for the next year was just to get more stage time and to get better, and how you do that is you tour. You go to different cities, you figure out what's funny, figure out what other comics are doing. And if you go to different cities when you're a comic, you get way more time. <laughs> that's one thing that's beneficial to touring. Mm-hmm. I mean, it obviously sucks where you stay and, you know, you're always trying to figure things out, where things are, and, like, it's more expensive. But touring, you just get better because you get more time. So I was like, all right, I need a tour. So I figured out a plan where... I can, uh, I always try to go bigger, you know, it's like, I don't want to, you know, if you try to reach for, what is the thing, if you try to run 26 miles, you'll get 14, but if you try to run 10, you'll get 8, 14 is still bigger than 8, mm. so I wanted every single week, I wanted to go to a new city and do stand-up comedy, and it was feasible, I mean, I had to do a hundred things to get there, you know, I had to talk to my work, I had to figure out, get a car, I had to figure out logistics, I had to book the places, and there's literally a hundred things you had to do and you just got to sit down, don't quit and do it. And um, once again, it fulfilled my goals. So I was like, okay. Do you guys understand that commitment game? So like number one, so you guys, it's easy for a lot of people to say, oh, you did a 52 week tour. Well, you know, I have like my job restrictions or whatever. Brendan was working a desk job nine to five, right? Yeah. Yeah. I had a full, full time job, full time job as as well paying job. And he was doing so well at his job that he basically proposed this. He invited him out to a comedy show, right? Yep. And yep. then you were invited to the Laugh Factory, right? Yep, Laugh Factory. So I had I had my whole work come. We did like a work event at a show that I had. And they've never seen me do stand-up comedy. They're like, oh, yeah, he likes it. We already did it. So they went to see a show, a live show at, you know, a great club. And I did the show. I did well. And then right after that, I gave him the rollout plan. I told him the whole story. And they're way more likely to say yes after that, you know, seeing it live, seeing how much I like it and seeing my commitment um, than rather just telling them. So, yeah. So, guys, so like a, when you so this is the thing is, is um, 
even though you are hyper aware of your commitment, a lot of people aren't. This is the uh, mistake that a lot of people make is they mistake the fact that you know your journey that other people know your journey. And the thing is, it's not enough to tell somebody else your journey because honestly, I can believe everything you say, but experiencing it just even for a small, small time is very powerful. So them experiencing, number one, the Laugh Factory, right? So you walk into Laugh Factory, it's a, it's a, it's a nice venue. There's like like your name, there's stuff in lights and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a 450-person yeah. venue. So there's a massive amount of buy-in, okay? They come in, they see you perform well, but then immediately Brandon comes from this point of integrity where he says, hey, like, look, like, this is what I want to do. This is my plan. And this is not, not only this is my plan, this is how you would fit into my plan, right? Yes. Oh my God. That's a really good, that's a really good point. So, um, I, I pretty much told them my goals, you know, I was pretty much open and honest and I had, I had to be vulnerable a little Mm -hmm. bit and that's a lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. It's the same thing when you're when you're doing it at anything in life and like in stand-up the more vulnerable you are the more people can understand who you are and they get they get my commitment so they're willing to say yes you exactly. know and that's what happened with my work um, like Louis was really vulnerable with those two comedians <laughs> <laughs> and they understood um, <laughs> no just play just play uh, but um, yeah so um, and, and so, so, so after you got the yes right and you were ready to leave the job to do this right oh yeah I was I mean yeah I was ready to not... It was going to happen. The tour was going to happen regardless if I've worked with them or not. I was going to figure it out. But, I mean, this would have made it so much easier and better. And, like, that was my plan originally. So I, I just kind of stuck with it. So, so do you get this? Once you're committed to something, that you were able to speak with a level of certainty. Because you knew that even if they didn't say yes... So, so n- number one, he wasn't asking them for permission from them to do the event. He was asking whether they were on board, which is completely different. Because you're approaching it from a completely different frame of reality, right? Like I, I, I often talk about game on here. Whenever you're t- telling a girl, uh, like, like you know, you know this old thing where it's like, <laughs> it's like two thirty. It's like, hey, I'm getting pizza. Come, come get pizza. Come get pizza, right? The thing is, you're already going, right? So she's coming with you. You're what you are able to speak with a certainty, not like, hey, do you want to get pizza? Which is completely different. Yeah, it would, right. It's yeah, a completely yeah, yeah. different in the way that you pitch it. And so there's a level of certainty in that. So guys, whenever you're looking at like something in your life and you're looking for a level of like how hard you can commit to something, commit to the result rather than whether or not people are giving you permission for that, right? So the permission, their permission shouldn't be what gets you your result. Your result should be there. And then if they give you permission, that's an easier access point because that's what you just said. It was just easier, right? I really like that. And I want to add this too. And I think it's a good point that commitment, it actually brings you freedom mm. okay commitment when mm. you when you apply something and you do it and you're focused on it you're you're not worried about everything else that's your only focus point so it actually gives you the time gives you the mental capacity to go towards that and everything else you want to do is so much easier because you know how to commit it's it it just sounds crazy because when people think of commitment they think of uh, barriers they think of their trap they're, they're set in these ways but commit to the things you want to do it it actually gives you more time and more freedom so um there's actually so there's um uh, somebody who said this i can't remember who number one okay in my ted talk i talk about something similar to this but that's not who i was going to quote because i'm not a full douchebag uh, but it was uh basically this is that there's chess right yeah and you can't do most things in chess there's actually very few things you can do in chess but the fact that it has clearly defined rules actually means that there's infinite amount of possibilities that can still happen within a game of chess Oh, right. Yeah. So, so this is the thing: is when you're taking a look at your life, a blank canvas. There, there, there is so much that can happen on a blank canvas, right? 
But if you don't do anything with that blank canvas, then it just doesn't go anywhere. It's kind of like this is, um, actually I talked about this on the podcast about moments is in, in there's an in time. So there's infinite amount of possibilities in a finite amount of time. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so like the thing is, is you have a commitment, which is stand up, right. That you're pursuing and everything like that. And so that grounds it. So now you have an infinite amount of possibilities in this direction. But if you were just like, oh, hey, you know, I'm going with the flow or whatever, you could just end up with a very mediocre ass life, right? Because yeah. there, there's, oh, there's so much that could happen. Let me see how things plan out. And then nothing ends up happening because you didn't commit hard <laughs> enough. That's almost, yeah. I mean, in, that's almost in a way where it's like deadlines. Oh, deadlines. deadlines. You, you need, need deadlines because then it forces your brain to think. Yeah. Forces it, your brain to do stuff. It, it, it's, um, and also it's the difference between the excitement and fulfilling paradigm. Right, so a lot of girls, like, so this is the thing, is like when I'm on dates with girls, like they'll be like, oh my God, you've done so much, you're super interesting. But then whenever they spend more time with me, they're like, dude, you just do the same shit all the time. But the thing is, is yeah. because I'm on a fulfilling paradigm, not an excitement paradigm. The excitement paradigm is like, oh, I'm constantly looking for new experiences, I'm constantly looking for variety and all these mm. things. The fulfillment paradigm is like, I might still be looking for these things, but they're within a focused place. Right, yeah. so like like we both of us have a, a thing. Like mine was the three sixty seven, three hundred sixty seven consecutive days, and that didn't take me all over the thing. Your yours was way more of an adventure, but it was still grounded in the same level of commitment, right? And 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 basically saying no to a lot of things, but it actually begets more opportunity. Like you're gonna be on the radio in New York right now. Actually, yeah, plug yeah. your you plug your podcast right now. Yes, uh, so my podcast is Brendan being Brendan. Um, we have stand up comedians on, and we talk about anything besides comedy. So that's kind of the new the new uh, thing we're doing with the podcast. Um, it's coming back. It's coming back in January once I'm in Chicago. We did it in the tour, but it just got too busy as far as like management and time. It's four extra hours I would have to spend. But um, I shouldn't say busy. I just didn't prioritize my time with the podcast in there and focus more on the tour and where I was going to sleep. <laughs> Mainly the where I'm going to sleep thing. Yeah. Well, well, one of the things that I, I noticed, I, so I was kind of mad at myself for not shooting more footage in Edinburgh. Like it was like, oh, it's an amazing opportunity. But sometimes, you know, sometimes it just doesn't need to be that. Sometimes it just needs to be the, the thing, you know? And sometimes, yeah. um, you know, like we, I, like you, you, I, I definitely feel like you're gonna come out with something that like like because this was originally meant to be a podcasting tour, right? Yep. And so, so can you talk to them about shifting priorities while still committing? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's actually a really good point. So yeah, it was originally a podcast tour, so I was supposed to podcast comedians in these different cities and learn about their cities um, while I'm in them. But uh, it was restricting back from my stand up. Um, so obviously the time thing where I'd have to spend four extra hours and do the planning of where I was going to do it and kind of where I was going to stay. Um, it took back from my original goals, you know, what I was committed to, to getting more time and getting better at stand up. you know? So, I mean, if, but once again, I was committed to getting better, you know, and if that podcast was going to take away from that, that had to go. So that's kind of the sacrifice thing that comes with commitment. Um, yeah, that was, you know, I actually haven't even thought about that, but it was good to like, talk through that it's be committed to something and then everything else in your in your life that's unnecessary will just go away so mm-hmm. it adapted it switched you know my main goal was to get better and you know to get more time and um whatever it took if the podcast even though it was original goal you just have to adapt i mean still i was going on the tour i was still doing it but it's no longer with the podcast which I, it wasn't it wasn't a loss would have been great to have it but i you know accomplished my goal so and that's the thing is, is that, that he looked so he stripped down basically what 
what his actual goal was. So even though you labeled it a podcasting tour, yeah. right? The actual goal was to get better at stand-up. And sometimes we pick up these things along the way that actually at our points beneficial, but can actually the superficial layer we attach to things actually take us away from the root cause of what we're trying to do, which is refine a skill. And yeah. yeah. One, of, one of the things that I think is really interesting about both of our pursuits, right, um, are the different manifestations of them regardless, is that it was the commitment to getting better at a skill, not a commitment to a goal, right? So it wasn't like, oh, you know, after I'm going to do this podcasting tour, I'm going to be so rich, you know, that I blah, 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 or I get I get on JFL or anything like that. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't, anything that was outside of your control it was completely everything was in your locus of control on whether or not you got better yeah it's yeah maybe that's why i'm a santa i i like i do like control because mm-hmm. i'm able to go further you know it's it's crazy i mean this this tour has taught me so much i mean not what, always, what are some things you've learned i guess struggle struggle is a good thing like struggle does make you better going through phases where you don't know where it's very fearful you think differently okay and it's it's you kind of you kind of do what you have to do like for example i've slept in my car probably 60 times and you know what it's not that bad (laughs) there's a lot worse things out there than sleeping in your car honestly no one bothers you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're alone. That's fine. You can get shit done. But it's like, you would think of that at first, like the first couple of times, I was like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. I'm sleeping in my car. Like alone. Like, but honestly, it's only the people that sleep in their car, it's because they can't afford homes. You know, it's not that bad, especially in the summertime, where it's like, that was a struggle moment, but it's like, man, that's, it just taught me it's not really that bad. Mm. <laughs> I, can, I can stay in places where it's the bare minimum. I don't need... I don't need a huge home. I don't need a lot of money. You know, it's like you can get by. All those nights I slept in my car, I still did 20 minutes or I still did 10 minutes at a show or a mic. That didn't affect any of my comedy. And also, like, elements of struggle actually make the experience mean more to you, right? So, like, you're sleeping in there and, like, I imagine, like, you know, you're like, oh, fuck, this sucks. But then at the same time, it's like, but this is me showing how much stand-up means to me. Because this is the thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could have have called your tour off at any point. Like, there's no, no, no one would have been like, oh, oh, motherfucker, you owe me $5,000. You could have called it off. Was it, oh, was there ever a moment where you thought about calling off the tour? Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Week six, Alabama. Oh, my God. Okay, so I I was extremely broke. I did not have a lot of money. I mean, starting this tour, traveling, obviously, first five weeks, I am partying my ass off. You were having in a blast. Your first five weeks, right? No, I, yeah. Uh, no, Austin was like week 11. Okay. Uh, but like, I was in New Orleans, like during Mardi Gras, and I was in Miami, I was in Orlando, I was in Atlanta. Like, I was having a blast. And. Means he was blasting. Yeah. And uh, Alabama, I had this show. It was a big show. It was four hundred something people. We have sold out. And um, before I go to the show, uh, my car breaks down in the middle of this busy street during rush hour, and I'm in Alabama. I don't know what anything is. It just stops. Everyone's honking at me. I don't know what's going on. I can't move the car. Everyone's yelling at me. I have to get out during traffic. Police have to show up. All this stuff. It's like I have to get it towed, which was. 300 something bucks to this random place i had to get an uber over there 
um, after I went to the Firestone place, say, hey, can you check it in the morning? And they're like, fine, sure. They had I, it was a lot of money. And then I had to get a ride over to the comedy club after my car is just not working. I have no clue what's going on. And when I get to the comedy club, I get five minutes. I go on stage. <laughs> First thing I go is, oh, we're in Alabama, so I go, roll tide. And for, and, for those of you who don't know, roll, roll tide, um, because a lot of listeners outside this country, yeah. roll tide, um, so that's a, a certain football team in Alabama um, that's very famous for being from Alabama. Very famous. And they have... They have this rival with another team, Auburn, and their thing is War Eagle. So it's Roll Tide versus War Eagle. And I go up there and I go, Roll Tide. And then, not even kidding, like a quarter of the audience goes, Boo, War Eagle. Like the huge rivals with them. I'm like, oh shit, people are mad at me. And, I, and what I do, rookie mistake, I just go straight into my material. <laughs> I don't address any of it. I just go straight into it. And it is silent. For five minutes, I am battling. I'm sweating on stage. I sound like a bitch. I am the worst comedian on stage for five minutes. I get off stage. I'm feeling horrible about myself. Next comedian gets on, absolutely murders. Has a great set. The crowd loves him. They're chanting. They're yelling. They're having a good time. He gets off stage. The headliner gets on. The first three minutes of his set, he is ripping on me. And the crowd is loving it. Every just imagine someone making fun of you in front of almost five hundred people. They're having the time of their life because you are so bad. <laughs> you are so bad for five minutes. They're having so much fun, and, you, and the headlining comedian is just ripping on you. I get the show gets over. I wait in the green room for like an hour and a half, and. I wait till everyone's gone. I'm like, fuck, I'm not facing the Ferris, man. And I get out there. I have to talk to the guy. They're being cool about it, but it's like, it's embarrassing. It's horrible. I have to spend the night, because I don't have my car, and I can't go to my couch surfer spot, so I have to spend the night at this random comedian's house who read me slam poetry before I went to bed and kept me up for two more hours after I had the worst set in my entire life. I'm thinking about home. I'm thinking about, I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, the next morning, I get to my car. It's six hundred and twenty-five bucks. I have to pay for this fuel pump along with the towing and everything. I can't afford that. I'm like, holy shit! Am I gonna do forty? What is it? Forty-five more weeks of this shit? Like, am I gonna do forty-five more weeks of this shit after this happened in one day? But what kept me going? What I was committed to was, I had a show the next day. I had a show the next day. I had to do 10 minutes, and I was not going to miss that show. I wanted to do that time. I was not going to miss that show, and I got to that show. I did my time, and I did well, and I felt 10 times better. I'm like, this is what, this is what comedy is. It's ups and downs. Shit is going to happen. You just got to keep going. So I will never, ever forget Alabama because I fucking hate you. <laughs> That's so funny. That... Right? Like, I just wanted to, I just, I did not want to do the tour anymore and I was like you just have to keep going and that's such a valuable lesson sometimes you have to do the things you don't want to do bad shit is going to happen you have to plow through dude that number one no one needs to listen to slam poetry ever <laughs> yeah. that, 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 I, 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 I wouldn't have finished the tour slam poetry I would have so just bad. killed myself I, just... I wrote a bit about it it wasn't a good bit but oh my god dude like Imagine oh a stranger reading you slam poetry before you go to bed. Are uh, that, you kidding me? 
Was he white? No. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm actually friends with the guy now. He's a cool dude. I've seen him before, but like at that time, was meeting someone new. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, oh my God, some of you don't know reading slam poetry after all that shit happened? Dude, let me go to bat. <laughs> this is the thing, guys. And so, and, and um, so, so, and that was the point. It was, the, so there's no other point after that besides that you thought about quitting. Yeah, so I thought about quitting and then I kept going. I had that show. So I was like, okay, you have to go. You have to plow through things and do things you don't want to, even though it's for good. See, I would have had like nine more of those moments where I was like, man, do I really want this? <laughs> do I really want this out here in fucking uh, San Diego? Oh, was there more? I mean, yeah. no, man, that was that was really bad. Think of being a thousand dollars in debt in oh, a place yeah. you don't know how after do you bombing in front of how, how do you pay for it? Credit cards, bitch. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Borrow money from the future. Yeah, you know, fake money, fake money. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I mean, I had to do it. And, and um, what were some of the the moments where you're like, thank God, I can't believe I'm on this trip. What was like one wow. one of the best? Okay, we'll do this. I was in um, L.A. I did a uh, I did Burbank's Comedy Club, Bur- or Flappers in Burbank's Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank's, and I get ready for the show. And the people on the show were great. They're all like, you know, writers for like Conan or they've been on Comedy Central. They're really good. And then the last guy who comes in was uh, Joey Diaz. Oh, shit. Joey Diaz, which is like, if you're a comedian, you know Joey Diaz. He's his last couple of years. He's just been blowing up. And like, at the time, he was always on the Joe Rogan podcast. He's always, he's just this character. And it was weird because I was sitting in the green room with Joey Diaz and we and he's just a normal guy just talking to him. Yeah. You know, just talking to him about, you know, Cuba, how I was in Miami. He asked me, he's just like, the comedy, they love me there, but it sucks. Like, he's just like, not there anymore. And it's like, talking to him and like being there after listening to him on a podcast two days before, I'm like Joe Rogan and being like, those guys how I started doing comedy and gotten interested in it. That was like, whoa, I wouldn't have gotten this in Chicago at an open mic. No. I had to go out and do touring. I had to do this tour. And it's like, there's so many moments, man, where the people you meet, the couch surfers, the interactions you have with them, as far as you're learning about, like, uh, where people's ideologies come from, how they grew up, like, why people are so different in Tulsa, Oklahoma, than New York City. You know, and you really get, you're alone. You're alone all the time, so you really get to learn about these people because you, like, have to. (laughs) Seriously, you become a better listener, and it's it's all through committing to one thing. Isn't that nuts? It's all through commitment. Like, it's all... Well, like, one of the things that I hope is not lost in this episode is that is that your your life became way more interesting when you started saying no to way more things. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of true. Yeah, I started saying, I started saying no. It's more of like a time thing where it's like, I mean, I didn't go out as much. That's another thing where it's, I mean, on the tour, yeah, I went out a lot, but like prepping for it, I said no to a lot of activities I'd have on Saturday because I mean, I had my nine to five is a a good job. I make money where I can do stuff. And like, I, I told myself for four hours on Saturday, I would do the booking. That's what I would do. I would do the booking for the tour 
And regardless of what was happening, if my friends want to see a movie, if they want to go to the beach, if they want to day drink, if they wanted to come over and just shoot the shit, like I had to say no. And Brendan has friends who are like, like, famous and shit. Like yeah, yeah he has like famous friends. You're what professional athlete friends, like. Yeah, I mean, like it's so weird because they're. I mean, it's so weird calling them famous because they're like they're your friends. You know, you've yeah. seen them. They've they you've seen them shit their pants at sixth grade birthday parties. Yeah. you know, it's like you don't consider them famous. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, so I mean, my best friend, he was in the NHL, you know, Jason Clark, look him up, too many concussions, he was a fighter, um, Letty, which he came to my show, he's a friend, I don't get to see him as much anymore, but he plays for the Islanders now, um, it's weird, I guess Michael Floyd, when I was in college, he was best friends with, uh, my roommate, so I got to hang out with him, and it's like, uh, I don't get to see those guys as much anymore as much as I like to or even like my close friends growing up they're so close by and you, it's not a fear of missing out anymore it's I have to get shit done oh shit so so you guys hear that so FOMO is um is basically it's so basically you don't fear missing out because you understand that there's nothing really that's happening there that can bring you towards your actual goal when yeah. you have a clearly defined goal it makes fear of missing out stupid because it's like oh am i going to go to this club and meet a comedy agent no you know yeah. so like, there's nothing you're actually missing out on of value to you one of the things about commitment is that it organizes your values and because a lot of people don't know how to prioritize their values the thing is that's the problem is is that there are many valuable things in this world and so people were like, oh, you know, I'd really love to sleep in a bed, but also travel all over the country. Brendan was like, I'll sleep in strangers' beds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, couch surfing. If you guys have done couch surfing, there are some freaks out there, okay? <laughs> but let me tell you, there's uh, most of them are great people. Most of them are good people, but dude, like San- when you said San Diego, first thing I thought of was this creepy 62-year-old dude who tried to sleep with me. I'm like, nope. He had bad knees, so I can easily just Bre- kick Bre- him once. Brendan just... is a very attractive man, too. So, like, I could. I don't could see... believe him. Don't believe him. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, I don't lie about those things. I don't hang out with ugly people. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and, yeah, and so, you know, and then um, how how did you deal with the uncertainty of committing? So, like, you're, you're committing very deeply, but there's a, a. Even though you did booking, like, let's say for four hours, thing, there's still a bunch of uncertain factors. How did you deal with that? Oh, yeah. Man, you're hitting some really good questions. Let me um, let me think about that. And I'll talk while I'm thinking. Like, uh, there were still times. I mean, like I was saying, the couch surfing thing. Yeah. Where, I would have to plan that out, and I didn't always have my weeks planned. You know, not everyone in every city had a lot of couch surfers. Like Cleveland, who the fuck has couch surfers in Cleveland? Yeah, the, that's just a guy. Who's gonna to be laid. a host? Yeah, yeah, it's a guy trying to get laid, or it's like whatever. So trying, like, trying to fuck some Asian chick. Yeah, <laughs> and there, I mean, uh, there was uncertainty of like uh, whether I have enough money for gas going places. You know, it's expensive travel. I mean, I'm not gonna. Sometimes I would couch surf four places in a week. You know, because that's all that people can have me for. And it's like I'd have to bounce place to place, so I didn't have a fridge a lot of the time. So like I'd have to buy my meals, you know, and that's a lot more money. Yeah, you know, I thought I have to pay for gas going to places, and like I have to, it suck. I still had to pay for like my cell phone bill, and I still, I mean, I didn't have to pay rent. Thank God. Are you Are you gonna save money? Yeah, I saved a shit ton of money. So every month I saved four hundred and seventeen bucks. Okay, which was just that was saved. That was just gone wow. for that. No, was no, awesome. I was, it's was like, would you say that you spend more on your trip or spend more living in Chicago? 
Well, with this saving thing, I mean, I spent way more living in Chicago. Mm. I just saved a bunch of money automatically. So like that, so I didn't, I couldn't spend a lot of money on the road, you know, as much. Because I just automatically had it in my head, I need to save this amount, boom, 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 every time. One of the things I thought was very interesting, I can't remember who said this to me, but this was very recent, they said this to me, is like, you can't, you can't, oh, um, so RSD Tyler, um, dating coach, blah, blah, but he, he said that um, you can't feel free at a job unless you have six months um, salary. Because there's a different way that you act at the job whenever you have six months salary saved. That's interesting. That's probably very true. Yeah, well, I Brendan, just haven't saved that much. I mean, I guess yeah. I've saved a lot. I don't know if it's six months though. Well, and then I think he was just throwing that out there, like yeah. just as a thing. So, like you know, um, I wonder how many people actually do that. I don't. There's probably stats on it, but how many people my, have six months of saved? So when my parents, um, when we were living in London, so when you when you work abroad, you actually so the company pays for your house and all this other stuff. And so there's a lot of people who try to ball out of control whenever they're living abroad as expats. And my parents will only live like on like fifty or twenty five percent, and then they just got mass amount of savings and fucking invested that shit. It's smart. Yeah. And. Yeah, I was like, man, that's that's cool, man. Like, <laughs> oh but, yeah, that helps yeah, you out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah cool they, 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 but like, a lot of people don't, and I think it's just because, um, I think we, especially if you, I, I, I mean, I've never not worked in in that environment, so I imagine, but like a lot of people to make up for the fact that they don't have much free time, end up spending a lot of money to, I guess, make up for the, yeah, for like not being able to like do the shit. Oh my god, yeah, that's oh my god, that's another thing about I. Uh, commitment where it's like you have shit to do your your mind is focused on that thing you know you have values or you have to go towards it's only five things if you're a wandering mind and you have the, all this free time yeah you're gonna try to spend money to get that dopamine up oh yeah, you know yeah. you're gonna spend money to oh i gotta do this oh this is a new thing you gotta do that oh i don't know oh let's try this let's do that yeah the more free time you have i mean that's why people uh commit a lot of suicide right and that's why people People you know, are s- depressed because they have so much free time. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, busy people don't kill themselves, <laughs> yeah. all right? Because they have too much shit to do. <laughs> you know what? I was I'm trying to get away from the word busy. I know I said it a couple times here, but it's like no one's busy. You just prioritize your time. You just select what you want to do, right? Yeah. It's like I have too much stuff to do. It's like no, that's not important for me right now. It's like how I gotta send you those emails. Yeah, today. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I do. I saw when I sent you that e- the message. I thought you thought I was asking for all of your emails. I would have. I hundred percent would have came to you. Yeah, I was. I was, I was you like, know that, right? Yeah, Maybe yeah. it's you ask for more. Yeah, ask for more. One of those things, you know. Which, I, I was like, does he think I messaged him asking him for every email he sent? He knows if I tour America, somebody else is setting this shit up. <laughs> no, Brendan Gay. I don't have that commitment level. <laughs> I'm not sleeping in my car. <laughs> I don't even have a car. <laughs> Can't Uber across America. <laughs> That's what, funny. We, we, well, we're at 30 minutes, dude. So do you want to replug anything, that, all your social media, I'll include in the thing, but just tell them. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, we'll do this. Um, so Twitter, BrendanGay92, at BrendanGay92. Uh, yeah, Instagram. Gay, he's not calling himself as... <laughs> yeah, yeah, last name's gay. You'll read about it. Um, uh, Instagram, just BrendanGay. Uh, Facebook, 
Brendan Gay, okay? Go to the podcast, Brendan being Brendan. It's on iTunes, SoundCloud, anything. Um, also, uh, look out in a couple months, uh, my album on Stand Up Records. Look that up. It'll oh, probably be January. Remember, yeah, yeah. And it's going to be Spotify too, right? Probably. Yeah. We still have to talk about all that stuff. But um, yeah, it's going to be dope. I've been it's gonna be sweet. You, by the way, I've been bragging a lot about your special to other people. Like I was like, it looks super nice. I was like, the production quality is out of this world, man. Like fucking some new Avengers shit. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, where can we watch them? Like, hey man, you gotta wait till that shit comes out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, guys, as always, like, follow, share, subscribe, follow me on Twitter because I need it. Follow me on Instagram because I need it. Hey, go to my check out my YouTube channel, The Lazy Philosophers Podcast, dude. I'm so itchy, guys. It's it's like so it's cold and I got dry skin, so I'm, I guess I'm flaking. Um, <laughs> you guys didn't know that. As always, um, I love you guys. Um, and um, yeah, follow me on all that stuff. Godspeed and good night.